0: Hello, my name is Scott Garrison. You may remember me as Scott the Barber or just as Ron and Carla's son. I've been involved in our community since opening Scott's Barbershop on the southeast corner of 3rd and Main in 1998. Now I'm back in the same building as Garrison Financial. I started investing in my 20s. I invested through the dot-com crash and the Great Recession. I started caring for other people's money in 2018 and I truly enjoy sitting down with my clients, understanding their wants and needs as well as what keeps them up at night. Whether my friends just want me to invest a little of their savings or want me to work with their tax and legal professionals to strive towards optimal efficiency, we can do it all. I believe communication is key to helping my clients reach their goals. For if we are faithful over a few things, we shall be given more. Contact me at scott at soonerwealth.com. Security is offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Garrison Financial and Cambridge are not affiliated. This communication is strictly intended for individuals residing in the states of Colorado, Nevada, Oklahoma, and Texas. No offers may be made or accepted from any resident outside the specific states referenced. Cambridge does not offer tax and legal advice.
1: If you build it, he will it. It's the City on Sports podcast with
2: Aaron Cow. I throw balls far. You want
0: good words? Data language.
2: Talk real sports with a real man.
1: Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40.
2: And now, here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron skinny Cow with The Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. And a good garrison financial Friday, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to The Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM. The Sports Animal. Glad to have you along for the next hour. Scotty G not able to join us today. So we'll have to pump him up a different way. He gave us some topics, though. He did. We're not going (laughs) to... I'm afraid none of those are going to work for us. Nah. But I'm sure he'll be back next Friday. I don't know. He might be headed down to the game.
3: Very likely. Maybe we give him the call in.
2: Call in from the bash. From the Bevo bash? Yeah, or something like that.
3: Depends on his route, but yeah.
2: Yeah, I would I, I wouldn't go that way. I route. don't think There's I would no go chance. down to 35. No chance. No. It doesn't even matter how early early you leave. I wouldn't do it. So, today, college football. We've got a, We do have a guest coming up at 930. Long-time voice of the Clinton Red Tornadoes, Mr. Dennis Smith, is going to join us. Preview the big game tonight. Tell you what happened yesterday in fall baseball and fast-pitch softball regional, super-regional tournaments. Look forward to the football games tonight and also, unfortunately, have to update you on what's going on in Italy at the Ryder Cup. 225-9698 is the uh, phone or the text line. It's 225-9698. Give us a call, shoot us a text, we'll talk about any of those things. Whatever else might be on your mind, feel free to chime right in at 225-9698. If you're going to be outside the listening area, stay in touch with the show, to log on to KADSAM.com or download the app. The app's got it all. It's got radio, it's got the Penny News, it's got Big Elk and Paragon TV tonight, Big Elk's at Clinton, you've got uh, Hollis hosting Snyder, and then Merritt makes the long trip up to Texoma over there on Paragon TV. And if you miss our show entirely, you can find us anywhere, podcasts are. We do it every day. Hello, Jared. How are you? Not very good. Because of the Ryder Cup? I woke up at one thirty this morning, not because of the golf, just because... I'm getting old, and that's what happens.
3: Had to go use the restroom.
2: Correct. <laughs> and so when I got back, I was like, what time is it? Oh, it's 1.30. I think they've already started the golf over there. Oh, yeah. So I pulled it up on my phone, watched it for a little bit, and thankfully dozed off. U.S. down 4 nothing. It's only the fourth time in Ryder Cup history that the Europeans have swept a team session. They did it in 2018, the last time this event was played on European uh, soil, in the foursomes, and they did it again today in the morning foursomes, which is the alternate shot portion of the competition. The U.S. never led at any point in any match this morning. And only were all square once in all four matches after the fourth hole, Hovland and Aberg ber- uh, won the first two holes. Homa and Harmon won the next two, so they were all square going into five. Nobody else was even that close. Hatton and Rom beat Scheffler and Burns, four and three. Same fate for Harmon and Homa against ha- Hovland and Aberg at four and three. Shane Lowry, Sepp Straka beat Ricky Fowler and Colin Morikawa, two and one. And then Rory McIlroy and Tommy Fleetwood beat Patrick Cantlay and Sandra Schauffele, who had never lost in any team competition in foursomes until today. So 4-0 Europe. Listen, we could sit here. uh, I could sit here. You could sit here, Jared. We could gripe about who got to play and who didn't get to play. It was asinine not have Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas out there teeing off very first. They are the spark plug of this entire team. They are every time they play. And instead, you got Scheffler and Burns. Scotty, I can't make a three-footer. And Sam, I look completely lost, Burns. He hit his, he hit his second shot on number nine, par five. 70 yards left into water that probably isn't even supposed to be in play. Mm. Ricky Fowler was terrible, unfortunately. Everybody loves Rick. I love Rick. He was terrible today. And then Cantley and Shoffley just couldn't. Rory and Tommy Fleetwood were too good and then Brian Harmon should have never even been on the damn team but he qualified so you had to take him now this afternoon things are looking a little bit more red and that's good if you're rooting for the U.S. of A Jordan Thomas uh, Jordan Thomas, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas 1 up through 12 Kepka who should have played this morning as well and, and Scotty Scheffler even through 10 Max Homa, Wyndham Clark, one up through 10. And then there ain't nothing Xander and and Colin Morikawa can do. Matthew Fitzpatrick didn't play this morning. Came out this afternoon paired with Rory McIlroy. And at one point, I think Rory actually had a skirt and pom-poms on on about the seventh or the eighth tee. So Fitzpatrick goes par, birdie, 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 eagle, birdie, birdie. He was seven under through seven on his own ball. Guess what? You're not going to win. There's just nothing you can do. So there's six down through nine holes. That match will be wrapping up quickly. But as doom and gloom as it was this morning, and it was doom and gloom, if the U.S. can hold on to the two matches they currently lead in, and I mean, it'd be great if they could flip the other, win three to one here, and all of a sudden you're only down two points going into tomorrow, that would seem like a dream scenario. Two and a half, one and a half would still put you in the ballgame, only down by three points, considering what? Uh, just the, the tail kicking you took and as we speak. Uh, Thomas and Spieth just won another hole on 13th, so another two up through 13th. So, uh, the Americans trying to fight back this afternoon, or over there this afternoon, after just an absolute, like, like you said, Jared, almost historic beating they took this morning.
3: By the numbers it was <clears throat> with that start. Remember that feeling, that bad feeling I had, Oh, you going to Cincinnati? I just had that bad feeling. Of yeah, how'd that work there. out for you? Yeah, well, it turns out I maybe, wish it was
2: you. You were a week late. Maybe it was this. <laughs> a week maybe, early, yeah, I mean. maybe
3: it was a premonition to this. Maybe this was my bad feeling. That's what it was really f- towards. Was this? Uh, and I and I said that yesterday. It's it's about playing over there versus over here. That's why I kind of lean towards the Europeans' mm-hmm. way. But I I didn't expect that kind of a start.
2: No, that's um, the whole thing. I mean, here's the deal. Like in the the John Rom. Nikolai Hogard birdied four holes in a row. And I know everybody just collectively in their cars or where they're listening went, who? Yeah. <laughs> he's 22 from one of the Scandinavian countries. Sweden maybe? I don't know. And he's, uh, he's the youngest guy on either team. Somewhere in Europe. He comes out and he makes a 50-footer on the first hole and then birdies four holes in a row. You're like, see, that never seems to happen for the U.S., that's those things that happen for the, like Fitzpatrick, 700 through seven. You know, Bob McIntyre couldn't hit it in the ocean leading up into this event. And the very first hole, he hits it 330 right down the middle, five foot, makes birdie and moves on. You know, it's just, but here's the deal. It's a long, long, long way to go. But the U.S. right now is doing what they had to do in the afternoon matches, and that is salvage something. So that you're not down like seven to one, because you're down seven to one. It's not looking good. No. Even six to two, like even splitting this afternoon matches probably isn't enough. But right now, up in two, tied in one, and gonna lose the other. That, that other one's just thrown away. That last one, it's over. So these three, the first three matches, if they can get two and a half of the three points available, yeah, you, you feel a little bit better about you know where where you're at with you know the sessions left tomorrow and then of course the singles on sunday so that's Ryder cup update for everybody out there this morning all right fast geez there is so much of this fast pitch softball fall baseball right did you get it all i got a bunch of it nice and and i'm sorry here here's one i hope tj's listening i couldn't find any arnett stuff that's the one i Um, I, I couldn't find on the rankings i think
3: he's listening I think Gary text in one. Yeah,
2: I couldn't find our net. Tell there us what go. happened. There we go. Got it.
3: Uh they need to win at two o'clock today. So That's are they did got. they so win two
2: yesterday? We need some scores. I it just it, are they they won 25 to 2. Gee. Did they win both games?
3: Is that combined?
2: I don't know. So they they must be in the catbird seat. One win yeah. they're going to state. Yeah. yeah, one win they're going to state. So there we got a few a few teams like that in this in the softball. All right, the start right here in Elk City. 4A regional tournament, Paul's Valley, and Elk City played first. The Elkettes jumped on Paul's Valley early and off, and 16-3, the Elkettes win that one. Uh, Bridge Creek knocked off McGinnis 23-6 to in the, the uh, second-to-first round game, I guess. Uh, so that set up an elimination game. McGinnis beat Paul's Valley by a run, 15-14, so Paul's Valley is out. McGinnis will play today against Bridge Creek because the Elkettes Got out to an 8-0 lead, held on to win 8-3. So you got Bridge Creek and McGinnis at 11. The winner will play the Elkettes at 1. The Elkettes win. They are in the Super Regionals. If not, they'll play another game right after that. So great start to the Regional for the Brown and White. One win away from a Super Regional berth next week. Weatherford. Hosted a four A regional. They actually started on Wednesday, so that yeah. thing that thing wrapped up yesterday. Yeah. Weatherford beat McLeod thirteen to one. So the Lady Eagles are into the Super Regionals. Woodward was down in Cash. They beat Ada. I couldn't find a score, but I know they beat them. They lost to Cash nine to four. So they play today against Ada or whoever Cash beat first for the right to play Cash to try to they had to win that game twice they had to beat cash twice and then uh, clinton season ended yesterday 8-2 at the hands of sulfur so that's 4a regionals they're still a week behind everybody else everybody else is playing to go to state from 3a down to class b 2a super regionals both of the western oklahoma teams are out of the tournament Mangum took the long trip to Pecola. they lost 7-1 and 13-1 Merritt went down to Latta. They lost 8-0 and 13-1. So Merritt and Mangum seasons end in the Super Regionals. All right, Class A fast-pitch regionals. Rappo Butler is in fine shape in their regional. They beat Laverne 8-0. Sealing beat Wacomus 13-3. So that set up the losers' uh, elimination game. Wacomus knocked out Laverne 6-4. Rappo Butler Sealing 8-3. So you got Sealing and Wacomas today. Winner has to beat AB twice or the Lady Indians are headed to the state tournament. We already have a Western Oklahoma team in a state tournament, Class A. Shattuck beat Tushka. This one started on Wednesday down in uh, Carnegie. It's only two games yesterday. Shattuck knocked out Tushka 2-0. Navajo turned around and punched their ticket into the state tournament 9-2 over Shattuck. So Lady Indians of Navajo in the state tournament. Hollis and Sentinel are both out Hollis actually knocked Sentinel out 5-2. Then they turned around and lost to Bingaroni. Actually, you know what? That's not right. Hollis isn't out. Yeah, they are. They have to be because Sentinel played Sterling. Hollis played Bingaroni. They met. Yeah, Hollis and Sentinel are both out. Hollis knocked Sentinel out 5-2. to Bingaroni knocked Hollis out 23-2. to um, And then also in Class A, got a couple of Western Oklahoma teams playing a an elimination game today. Uh, it started in Surreal yesterday. Cyril beat <clears throat> Apache 10 nothing. Hydro Weekly clipped Cheyenne Raiden 4-3. to Cheyenne was able to beat Apache 11-9 to in an elimination game. And then Cyril beat Hydro Weekly 1-0. So Cheyenne and Hydro play elimination game. Winner plays Cyril. Oh, here we go. Hang on a minute. Hollis is still in. Oh, so they played Bingaroni first. Lost, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. They played, yeah, they see, lost yeah. to Bingaroni first, then they beat, I know Hollis and Sentinel both had to been beat because they didn't play each other first. Yeah, so they'll play today. Bingeroni or, uh, come on, Jenna, who are they playing? Help me out. <laughs> so they'll play, yeah, Hollis will still play today. Sentinel is the one that's out. Uh, let's see, B, Class B, at Mountain View Godibo. Mountain View Godibo beat Mod 11-1. to 1. Hammond beat Fort Cobb-Broxton 4-2. Fort Cobb knocked Mott out uh, 11-10. And then Mountain View-Goathe beat Hammond 9-0. So today you've got Fort Cobb and Hammond. Elimination game. Winner will play Mountain View-Goathe Boat. Sterling is who they'll play. Hollis will play Sterling. Whoever wins that will play Bingaroni. Had to beat them twice. Leedy uh, up in Leedy. Lady Bison started out things with an 8-0 win over Beaver. Chattanooga doubled up Granfield 4-2. Granfield knocked Beaver out 8-0. And then last night... Wild and crazy, wooly and crazy, wild and wooly game. Leedy beat Chatty twelve to seven in eleven innings.
3: So they did beat him.
2: Yeah, twelve to seven, eleven innings. So Leedy waits awaits the winner of Chattanooga and Granfield, and the winner of that game has to beat Leedy twice. All right, fall baseball. Whew. Let's see. I know Canute lost twelve nothing in Class A mm-hmm. to Worcester. Uh, Hydro Weekly uh, was pounded by Oktaha fourteen to nothing. So Oaktaha or I'm sorry, Hydro Weekly will play Tushka today. The winner will play Okarchi because Okarchi lost. Okarchi beat Tushka, lost to Oktaha. So Oktaha is in the state tournament, and uh, the winner of Tushka, Hydro Weekly, plays o- Okarchi for a place in that state tournament. Uh, Worcester beat Preston eleven to five. Do we know who Canute plays today?
3: <clears throat> I can tell you. Hold on.
2: It's whoever Preston beat. God, I can't remember off the top of my head. I, I, I can't oh, No, there it is.
3: Whoever Preston, hold on, hold on. Yeah,
2: in the first they in the first game it was Canute. Oh, uh, okay. Uh,
3: Ampo.
2: Ampo, that's right. I'd say it's a name. It's a. I was just about to say it's a school you know the name of. Okay, so Ampo and Canute, winner will have to beat Preston to go to the state tournament. That's Class A. Class B, Leedy beat Stewart 17-8 to in the first game. They lost to Roth 6-3, so Roth is in the state tournament. Leedy awaits. No, no. Actually, I think Leedy plays Caney. <clears throat> no, no, no. Leedy will play the Caney-Stewart winner. They'll play today. Winner plays Leedy to go to the Class B state tournament, and then also in Calumet, Asher beat Hammond seventeen to one. Calumet beat Pit, Big Pasture twenty-five to three, and then Calumet beat Asher eleven to three. Excuse me. So Calumet's in the state tournament. Hammond plays Big Pasture today. Winner has to beat Asher to go to the state tournament. Claire's mud.
3: Yeah, that's pretty clear. Good job.
2: Oh, and then Granite. Hang on a minute.
3: Granite's still alive?
2: Yeah, Granite lost to Mulhall 4-3. to three.
3: So they'll play Smithville.
2: Is that who Fort Cobb be? I'm yeah. Looking for Yeah, there they are. Smithville. They'll play two. Yep. Yeah. Smithville, and then if they win that one, they'll play Mulhall again to go to the state tournament. Fort Cobb is there. That is correct. Okay. What about high school football tonight? There is
3: some high school football tonight. That's right. Do you know of any? Well, I know of one big one. What is it? It would be, of course, Elk City at Clinton. That's a big one. I had that written down, too, of all the, the games. Let me bring up the ones that, that are of interest. Where am my List. Click, click, click. Okay. Uh, last night, Chickasha beat John Marshall.
2: You know, yeah, 49-28, I
3: think. Yeah, pretty handedly. Cash playing outside the district, taking on Southeast Big game in four eighty two number five Blanches our AP rankings. Number five Blanchard at Newcastle, number three Newcastle. Uh Merritt is all the way up at Texoma. Mangum at number ten Walters. Boone Apache host Hobert. Cordell's at Carnegie. In fact, I think that was last night too.
2: Yeah, Carnegie won like fifty six 9 Yeah.
3: Hooker's at Sayer. Burns Flat Dill City is at Moreland. Snyder at Hollis. I mentioned Weatherford at Woodward. No. No. Nope. Number eight Weatherford at Woodward. So, really, yeah, those games are happening. But the biggest game in this area, anyways, is Elk City at Clinton, right?
2: There's three big games, I think, in Class 4A this week. Elk City-Clinton, Newcastle-Blanchard, and then also Ada-Hildale.
3: That's at Ada, right? Yes. Long road trip for Minton. That district is spread out.
2: Yeah, there's not very many short trips in that uh, in uh, District 4.
3: Ada in the same district like Salisaw and mm-hmm. Fort Gibson and mm-hmm. Healdale. That's a long drive. Photo,
2: Broken Bow. That's
3: like that's like Gaiman and 4A1 almost, like the travel involved for one team or another. If you have to go to Ada or Ada has to go to wherever. Where Who would be their closest opponent?
2: Medill maybe.
3: Oh, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, I like Ada. I, I said that early in the year. Yeah. I like them.
2: <clears throat> yeah, you mentioned that they're kind the of very un- beginning.
3: They're kind of under the radar, Uh, but their schedule is kind of soft. I don't think they'll have a problem with Hildale. And I their big test will be uh, like week nine or eight.
2: Nine. At Poto.
3: At Poto, yeah. And then we'll know about the Cougars.
2: Yeah, at two All right, tonight. So, I mean, the numbers don't favor, at least historically. Now, as as Coach Maynard said, so it's a totally different year, totally different teams, and and all that history didn't help last year either, because the Elks were able to win. Uh, but just for for reference, if you if you don't understand what the Elks are going up against as far as winning at the Tornado Bowl, the last time it happened, I was in high school. And I'm old. Twenty five years ago, nineteen ninety eight, on a you want to talk about a rainy, horrible day to be outside. I
3: was I found some film on it. Yeah. Dude, our, man.
2: our intros got a little film from yeah. it. Yeah. Everybody looked brown. Yeah, <laughs> <but> <laughs> Both teams were game. brown.
3: Yeah. The the ground was brown. The the white the once upon a time white jerseys yeah. for Oak City were brown. Of course, Clinton's maroon was turning brown it, it, it was all
2: brown yeah it was a good thing we had uh because I, if i remember right was that the last game of the regular season there might have been one of. i
3: think I, I did i was trying
2: to find it may have been week nine
3: was it week nine it was I thought nine it or was... ten
2: it, it was nine or ten
3: because i looked at the schedule mm-hmm. like i no. went back do you have a 98 schedule oh that, that football's downstairs God, but does it have the dates I think, on them? I,
2: well, it's, it goes in order. It, it was October thirtieth.
3: Because you know, you go. To the I was at the game, mm-hmm. and I went back to ninety
2: eight season. Oh, watch this! And
3: I dated back. Now, it was the first is the championship game the first Saturday in December? Yes, it was. So I dated it back right there, and I think it was October thirtieth. October thirtieth, I think is right. Nineteen ninety eight. That's that's the date I found. So would that be back.
2: week nine or ten?
3: Well, if this is week five. Five, six, seven, eight, yeah, about nine or
2: it was the, it was either yeah, nine or ten. Yeah, I cannot remember. For I think
3: sure. it was the second to last game of the year, or it the regular
2: season game of the year. I, I, I do too. I, I think really, there was one
3: more after that. I you know think why?
2: There was too. Clinton may have lost the next one too. They
3: did. They went to Northeast and lost like fourteen to seven over at Taft Stadium.
2: Yeah, we yeah. There's
3: a little hangover of getting beat by Elk, and they were kind of they thought they could just walk That's in. That's
2: exactly and, right. Yeah, it was week nine. I'm looking at it right yeah. here. Anyhow. Hey,
3: we may be old, but we remember things.
2: Some things. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Um, you know, you know what happened in that game that I don't think I've ever seen on purpose. What's yeah. that? I had to clean all those pants and jerseys, Coach Hunt. As I say, the one the one good thing was winning the district. I think that Darko game was at home the next week, and so you had three weeks to get those white. Get those so white. Even had to have cleaned. a chance to wear them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So, Elk City won the toss. And, I mean, when, when we say it was raining, it was – I mean, pouring down rain, it was an awful night. Elected to kick. Hmm. Elk City kicked off both halves that year. And it turned out to be amazing strategy. Or maybe it was – maybe maybe, uh, da, 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 maybe the Elks deferred. Clinton took the ball and then they kicked to start the second half. But I can tell you right now, Elk City kicked stuff. off both halves. And it was a total, like, uh, it was just for field position because uh, Coach Roof had, obviously, the, the faith in that defense in that environment to be able to create field position because here's that night it was going to be exceptionally hard for somebody to go, like, 80 yards, to just to, to execute that many because you, you were going yeah. to have to run a whole bunch of plays to go 80 yards. Yes. And, uh, man, that was – I wonder what it had been like now. Because you remember back then, that giant crown in the middle of the field. So all the water was just rushing off into yeah. the sidelines. It was yeah. like standing on the sidelines, like in ankle to calf deep water. Yeah. As that thing wore on. Holy cow.
3: Yeah, but the video I found was, it's just, that's awesome, right? That's what we're watching. That's what you want. I mean, it was, there's no threat of the game being postponed or stopped because of lightning. It was just straight rain. Yeah. It, was like, it was that fall rain. It wasn't. I mean, it was miserable, but it wasn't like freezing rain.
2: No, it was kinda of warm. I mean, it, was it wasn't just, cold.
3: No, it was just straight rain. It wasn't windy, just straight Mm-mm, rain. It just and it was just a mud hole by the end of that game and it was a slobber knocker quite literally. It was yeah. that was a fun that's just a fun atmosphere.
2: It was a mess. Yeah, absolutely, no it, was. A, absolutely. Question, it was. Absolutely. Uh, question, didn't we play Guyman after Clinton? No, that was the year before up at Guyman where everybody got hurt. Oh darn De La Rosa broke his collarbone on a play. On a illegal hit out of bounds, I think Marsh may rolled his thing. There was, yeah, it was it was like a triage ah. after the, in in, but that was the season before. In the '97 season, when that happened, and it could have been right after the Clinton game. I can't remember the order is, had it had, to, it had to have been pretty close. Because Clinton was early that the first in '97. It was a gorgeous day at the Tornado Bowl. That's the game that went into double overtime. Mm-hmm. And it was but that was early. I mean, it might have even been the very first uh district game that season. Yeah. Yeah, Chopper Four was that was so cool. Back when they'd fly around the state. Three, yeah, you
3: knew you were something if you saw a chopper yes, coming. Three years yep. in a row it was you at that game. BBJ throwing footballs into the stands. Yes, yeah.
2: Yes. I I remember I think it was that one. Being in the locker room and the and it landing and you could just hear the crowd. Well, no, just the crowd oh. yelling back. You know, whatever they were saying. Oh yeah. my gosh, it, that was that was a, a neat. That might have been the year before when it was a nice night. Uh, but anyways, yeah, three in a row because I remember it landed right here on the practice field uh, in '96 when Clinton won that game like 24 to nothing. But yeah, fun times, fun times. He had Jeremy Baker in the corner of the end zone. In that double overtime game. Cool. Oh, here you go. Here's a fun memory, from Edgar. You reading this?
3: Uh, I'm trying.
2: BBJ game of the week comes in the booth cussing a blue streak. He's dropping f bombs left and right.
3: <laughs> Why? He mad or just that's how he talked.
2: <laughs> Colorful language. <laughs> <laughs> we'll continue uh, the the talk about Elk City and Clinton coming up. Uh, with our old friend Dennis Smith voice of the red Tornadoes for a long long time preview of the game tonight we're gonna have to ask him about his golf game he was here yesterday playing in a golf
0: tournament over here uh, yeah cool yeah. Skinny on Sports coming
2: back right here on a Garrison Financial
0: Friday. Hello, my name is Scott Garrison. You may remember me as Scott the Barber or just as Ron and Carla's son. I've been involved in our community since opening Scott's Barbershop on the southeast corner of 3rd and Main in 1998. Now I'm back in the same building as Garrison Financial. I started investing in my 20s. I invested through the dot-com crash and the Great Recession. I started caring for other people's money in 2018 and I truly enjoy sitting down with my clients, understanding their wants and needs as well as what keeps them up at night. Whether my friends just want me to Invest a little of their savings or want me to work with their tax and legal professionals to strive towards optimal efficiency, we can do it all. I believe communication is key to helping my clients reach their goals. For if we are faithful over a few things, we shall be given more. Contact me at scott at SoonerWealth.com. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research Inc., a broker dealer member, FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Inc., a registered investment advisor. Garrison Financial and Cambridge are not affiliated. This communication is strictly intended for individuals residing in the states of Colorado, Nevada, Oklahoma, and Texas. No offers may be made or accepted from any resident out. Outside the specific states referenced cambridge does not offer tax and legal advice
3: the skinny on sports
2: welcome back skinny on sports 98.1 fm the sports animal it is a garrison financial friday scott was unable to join us today as he normally is but uh, he can do everything for you full financial planning he'll shop the open market to bring you the best value on your life insurance and your investments he manages your investments, or if you're one of those people that wants to kind of dabble and wants to kind of manage things, you just don't know how to get started. He'll charge you hourly to build a plan that then you can manage. Scott at SoonerWealth.com is his address or a, a email address. 124 North Main is where you can go find him, and new 821-1219 is his phone number. Joining us now is the longtime voice of the Clinton Red Tornadoes. It is Mr. Dennis Smith. Dennis, how are you today? Hey,
1: I'm great. How are you, Jared?
2: Uh, doing well. i got to ask you, how was your golf game yesterday?
1: <laughs> Let me say, nobody was in danger of me shooting that. I might have shot my weight. I'll put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> now, did,
2: did, Brent, uh, did Brett and Anthony carry you guys around the course like they should have?
1: Oh, without saying, you know, both of them were members of state championship golf teams, and and uh, both of them were pretty good golfers, in their own right. So, me and my partner Pat Cornell, we just kind of we were playing their balls mostly. I'll just put it like that.
2: Well, I, I hate to put you on the spot, but was was Matlock's cooking or his golf better yesterday?
1: I, you know what, I thought he did pretty good job of both of them. <laughs> I ate one of those hamburgers; that was excellent. <laughs> But uh, he's, he's a pretty
2: good golfer, too. Yeah. Uh, man, it's a good day. It got a little bit hot, but uh, for the most oh, part. yeah. yeah I mean, it, was, it, was it was very, very enjoyable. Uh, okay, let's look at to tonight. The Red Tornadoes um, kind of so far beat who you thought they'd beat and maybe lost to who you thought they had a chance of losing to lose into. But it does feel like uh, coming off of that McGinnis loss with without Collins, things are starting to round into form for Clinton. Uh, just kind of tell, kind of break down how it's gone so far this season for the Reds.
1: Well, we did just like Elk City. We've taken on some some pretty good uh, uh, non-district teams. Uh, I think we've come through that little grind fairly good. Uh, health. We did lose a starting corner and uh, a wideout in the first game, and that that's you, you hate to lose a kid. He he had really played well in the in the summer or the fall uh, practices. And you hated to see for his sake because he'd kind of come into his own and and uh, but we lost him uh, and I say for the season. Uh, last I heard, it was going to be a while before he comes out. I shouldn't say for the season, but uh, it's going to be a while before he's able to play if he's able to make it back. Other than that, I think other than the normal bumps and bruises, I think we came to pretty decent health. Um, the effort against McGinnis uh, was. Very commendable because we come from way down and tied it up, and then fought them toe to toe. I mean, we were our own worst enemy. We turned the ball over four times, which you know. But for that, I feel like we probably could have won the ball game. They never stopped us, but conversely, we didn't do a very good job stopping them either. So, and it kind of kept turned into a shootout. And um, uh, again, turnovers are terrible any time, but you know, in a game when you're we feel like you're pretty evenly
3: matched. You know, they can be deadly, and that's what happened. Talk about, Dennis, Jared here, talk about, um, we'll start on the offensive side. We always look at Clinton and go, okay, who's going to be the guy carrying the ball? Who's going to be that next Clinton running back? Uh, in this case, it might be a fullback. Uh, talk about Collins and his impact to the offense.
1: Well, he's uh, he's looked very well uh, in the early go uh he plays full back and tailback offensively. It just kind of depends on the situation uh, we we've actually we're blessed with some good uh, uh skill players uh Contavian Hill and then Dan Hester have both looked good at times uh back there. so it's given the the coaching staff a little bit more oh a little bit more latitude on on what they can call and and you know keep people fresh, things like that. Uh, but, uh, I believe, uh, Zayden Collins probably, uh, in, and he was a tough load to handle last year as a sophomore, but I believe he's faster and stronger than he was last year. And he looks at it. uh, he's a load. And uh, the other two are more finesse. I mean, they're going to, they've got great speed. If they get in, the, you know, they get by, make one or two people miss, you're, you're going to have to run them down. And, uh, they're not as much of a power back as he is. Uh, he can do both. Uh, he can run over you, or he can, uh, he can just flat out run you. He's pretty. He's pretty fast himself. So, Clinton's blessed with having some decent tailbacks this year.
2: And, and it always seems like no matter who is returning or who's not returning, the Red Tornadoes figure it out up front as well. And the offensive line obviously is doing a really good job of creating holes for those guys to run through
1: so far this season. Yeah, they're getting better. Uh, we're actually pretty young on the offensive line. We've only we had two guys returning that saw significant action last year. So we basically we got three new players that are that are uh, underclassmen that are in the offensive line. And and there's been some good things. You know, we've seen some good things. We've seen some learning experience. Of course, at this t- by this time of the year, you know we're. Can replay our fifth game, I believe. Uh, you know, midseason, you're hoping that everybody's pretty settled in the position. Uh, for once, they do have a little bit of uh, depth. They've got a couple of other kids that have played some and uh, don't seem like we miss too much when they come in. And and uh, it's, it's important, of course, for 4A football to have a little bit of depth. Any depth is great in 4A football.
3: I mentioned Dennis this this matchup, I mentioned this when we, when I called you, this matchup um, between Elk and Clinton, I mean, everyone's going to look at skill positions. That's, it's, it comes natural when you're watching a football game and you're just a novice fan, but we as professional, I'm air quoting here, <laughs> on air personalities, we look at the line. I look at the line, offensive line, defensive line. That's where I feel like these two teams are really good at, and they're going to clash tonight. that. Talk about Clinton's offensive line, defensive line, the interior there, and uh, what we can expect to see tonight.
1: Well, much like the offensive line, defensive line was kind of faced with the same same issue as far as uh, returning people, and we've got two back, uh, both the same two that play on the offensive side, they play on the defensive side. Uh, uh, both of those young men have been multi-year starters, have played well. They're both seniors this year. I'm talking about Layden Fuller and, and – uh, Montel Crane, and they've been mainstains. You know, uh, Layden Fuller has started since he was a freshman at guard and uh, he's everything kind of starts from there. And uh, he's a load, but uh, Montel Crane has a little bit of extra quickness that a lot of people misjudge him. He's not the biggest guy, as Layden Fuller isn't either. But they're they're both have that ability. They're strong, and they have a little bit of quickness. And they both uh, are having a really good season now. We've got some other young men that are stepping up. Uh, you know, We've got uh, a couple of juniors that have, have looked well, uh, that that have stepped in. And so far, like I say, I think they're playing pretty well. I think we noticed some issues early, but I think as they've kind of settled in, and again, we've got one or two that's been able to fill in. I noticed we had a sophomore play pretty good the other night. I would be surprised to see him step in a little bit more. And maybe he has been. So, uh, I think coach is hopeful that the depth stays healthy. Everybody stays healthy, and we keep that depth. And it's great to be able to spell some of these players, since the majority of our players do go both ways. As I suspect most of Elk City's does as well. uh, You know, it's just it's it's great to have a little bit of depth, so you can rotate some folks in and out.
2: We're speaking with Dennis Smith. He's the longtime voice of the Clinton Red Tornadoes, previewing, previewing the game tonight between Elk City and Clinton. Uh, Dennis, it seemed early on maybe the secondary was the weak link, and, and maybe some new guys in there that haven't got to play a bunch. But uh, listening to Coach Higby, I think after last week, moved some guys back more, maybe some more veteran guys at the safety spots. How has that, or how did that help last week against John Marshall?
1: Well, I, I think it was a definite improvement. Uh, we we were very young. I'm, when I say young, very young in the secondary. And there was some issues. Uh, again, uh, he moved some, some people from positions, different positions, kind of changed that up a little bit. Uh, going by what happened last week, I'd say I'd agree with him. It was successful. Now, I don't, uh, you know, uh, John Marshall was missing a player or two, but they're not the team that we're facing tonight. You know, I believe this is Coach Maynard's second year, and, and uh, he came in with Coach Meadows, who's very familiar to Clinton uh, football fans, and Coach Meadows brought that edge that he could get his teams to play. And as far as I can tell, Coach Maynard has continued that. And I believe, like I say, I think it will be a dogfight tonight. I just uh, The secondary was an issue. Again, I'm not sure how much it was tested last week. I wouldn't be surprised to see Elk City try to test it a little bit tonight.
3: How cool is it that I know we really enjoy it? I'm I'm going broader here with the whole district. That the the perennial favorites right now is Clinton, Elk City, and Wedford in any order. It feels like old times. You like you like it when it's like that.
1: Actually, I do. I've, you know that's been one of the unique things about District Four A One over the years is. Generally, the you know the three the three westernmost cities I uh, I call it uh, Elk City, Clinton, and Weatherford. They've they've usually been in the hunt, been right there. A combination sometimes. I mean, there's several years that I know that there's that we played each other in the state finals. And so it's it's kind of a unique situation uh, that I'm dating myself a little bit, uh, probably. But I can remember in the the 90s. Uh, playing weatherford and elk city both at least a couple of times for the state championship and i think we i think we pretty well split with with both of them you know i played them at least twice we may have played weatherford more than that. it seemed like we played them a lot in the state uh semifinals there in the 90s but i remember a couple of years at elk city was was on a ride and at least and we got them one time and they got us the next so yeah, it's it's a unique situation. Uh, I, I I felt like that was probably the three teams that would be in the fight uh, preseason. Just wasn't sure what order. wasn't familiar with who had what coming back. I was concerned about Clinton. I knew they lost quite a bit. They they'd lost quite a few seniors last year, key seniors. And uh, thus far, been pleased, uh, pretty pleased with the you know with the with the youngsters that's come in and. Oh, again, it's hard to say. Uh, I, I'm I'm optimistic that Clinton has turned the corner, but it's hard to tell. Uh, the last week's game, again, I'm not taking anything away from John Marshall. I know they had some players missing, but uh, they're just not up to caliber as is what I expect uh, Clinton and Elk City will show tonight.
2: What is it about... That place, and when I say that place, I mean the Tornado Bowl, that just gets into other people's heads. It is, is it something that – obviously, Clinton's really good most every single year, and that certainly helps. But it does feel, at least from this side of the rivalry over here, uh, I do remember those two years in the 90s. You know why? Because that's the last time Elk City won over there, was in that downpour in 1998. And it yeah, feels like – yeah, it, it just feels like teams – Are beat before they ever get off the bus when they come to the tornado bowl what 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 is it about that place that that makes it
1: that way i just i think probably a lot of it is clinton's been very fortunate they've had uh they've had some very good coaches over the year uh of course uh you know it kind of started in the 60s and carried over into the late 70s and 80s through the 80s when coach meadows was here and then of course coach lee come along and and for a couple of decades, uh, maintained that tradition and and whatnot. And and of course, um, Coach Higby, who's in charge now, has already won one state championship. And and uh, you know, you always feel like if you can win one, you can win two. And I, of course, I know that's his goal every year, as as it is the players. And, and I pretty sure, probably Elk City players have the same goal. Uh, I I don't know so much. I, I think it's just the the air of, of, of it being a bowl, and 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 uh, it's it's you know this started before I came around, and uh, it was already like that when I was here. I'd I'd heard about Clinton and you know their tradition and all that, and, and of course I've seen a lot of those those games over the years done probably more than any of them uh, and from a uh, broadcaster standpoint. Uh, it's 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 unique uh, i think it's just the attitude of, of the players and the uh, the expectation of the town uh, lots of football fans in glinton uh they you know they expect to see good things and i it, you know I've, I've often contended you know that kids are kids and they're gonna you know they're gonna learn just, and when you're talking high school football you're dealing with 15 16 17 18 year olds some learn faster than others okay i mean that's that's mm-hmm. just life yeah but it's just something about if they're going to play and they expect when they they want to play they want to be involved they're just something about their their feeling and the expectations that they take into it and i think that just carries on into their careers i've seen it happen Generation after generation after generation, and again, I don't want anybody to misquote me. I think we've had exceptional coaches. Uh, I think all of those coaches I mentioned, I didn't, um, and my mind's gone blank on the first one, the, the one in the '60s uh, that coached, well, Coach engel coached with him. For Frazier, years, of course, Ron engel from Elk City, and
3: are you thinking of Frazier?
1: My, my mind has gone blank all of a sudden, but. I know that was kind of established. He had a good, really good run there in the uh, mid to upper, late 60s, came back and coached a, couple, a few years, and then Coach Meadows came in. I think he won three while he was here. And then uh, Coach Lee, like I say, he's just uh, hes a legend, uh, Hall of Fame coach, National Hall of Fame coach, uh, very envious record, And, and one, but the thing that's unique, and I believe this is probably true of, of all these coaches. Uh, kids that play for them, and it's not—it wasn't easy, for, I'm sure, to play for any of them. Two of them I can attest to: <laughs> Coach Meadows and Coach Lee, because I watched a lot of practices. Uh, you know, you, you had to go ready to work. But I had, i was fortunate. I had uh, two players play for Coach, two sons play for Coach Lee. I guarantee you, one of the things they always ask, and neither one of them live live in Clinton anymore, but one of the things I always ask is, how's Coach Lee? I can tell you from their own mouth, if he called them tomorrow and asked them to run through a brick wall, they would try to do it. And I believe that's true of a lot of the players that played for him. Now, we're talking about an exceptional coach. Uh, again, I'm not trying to take away from anybody else but he somehow had the formula and the kids bought into it i think it's a combination of all of that that makes clinton a unique place for high school football
3: yeah coach lee terrified me in ran. the high school in the high school halls <laughs> when i passed him he, and that that's the effect he had he he terrified me and <laughs> but he's a nice guy he was a nice guy but i always heard from my buddies um the the Horrible film sessions on Sunday afternoon. That even after a win, they're like, "Oh man, he's going to call me out for that one play that I missed a block on." And and lo and behold, that would happen. But yeah, yeah and it was, it was Jim Fraser, I think, you're thinking about back in the sixties. Jim
1: Fraser, yeah. yes, um, thank you, yeah, uh, very much. I was Sitting here thinking, I killed <laughs> myself for that. Uh, Coach Fraser, yes, he was one during the sixties. But uh, uh, no, just a uh, you know, and there's been other coaches that have. have have filled in there and had some some success over the years uh uh you know it's again i and, and you you mentioned the film sessions everybody that's ever played for coach lee you mentioned sunday film sessions and you're going to get a line of stories and most of them are pretty hilarious yeah. <laughs> all
2: right dennis what do you expect to see tonight
1: I expect to see a knockdown drag out. Uh, I think it's going to boil down to execution, who executes better, uh, who makes the fewest mistakes, and I, I expect a close game. I think it could go either way. Uh, I won't be surprised if uh, whoever comes out victorious, it's a, it's a one score game that won't shock me. Uh, but uh, I think it'll come down to, you know, basic stuff, execution, and, and fewest mistakes. That's generally what most football games are decided on.
3: Final question for me, will your OSU Cowboys turn it around?
1: <laughs> Boy, I wish I knew. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've, uh, I, I told someone the other day, I said, uh, I, I was very uh, cautiously optimistic before the season started, but so far I haven't seen anything that, that's given me a reason to be optimistic. Uh, I won't second guess Coach uh, Coach Gundy. He's he's shown that he can he can generally get things worked on. Probably good that they have an open week. I hope so. I don't envy who who uh, Oklahoma State plays next round. I believe Key State is one of the better teams in the Big Twelve this year, and and that's a tall order. And then on top of that, they're playing it on a Friday night, which uh, b- believe it or not, Coach. Gundy hated Friday nights he did not like playing on Friday nights he's very loyal to high school football mm-hmm. um, but of course when it's in the contract and your time comes up you you got you know if you're a team player you got to do what the conference tells you so and and I think that night I, I mean I won't be there I'll be doing a game in Weatherford which
0: is another important
1: game for a lot of football right now uh, i'd say OSU's just gonna have to gonna have to try to get better in a hurry because i guarantee you the competition's not going to get worse it's just gonna only get better
2: dennis thanks so much for your time uh, as always uh, before these two teams get together uh you have such a great knowledge of, of now and the past over there it's uh, be good to see you tonight and uh, good luck to the red tornados and you and Alan, as well
1: well thank you very much i enjoy visiting with you guys and uh, I expect a packed house. I know Elk City will bring a lots of folks. I know Clinton will have lots of folks. It's a great high school football setting. I'd encourage, uh, if you're any kind of football team, regardless of where you live, uh, this is a game you ought to go to. It'll be worth, worth the price of admission.
2: Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Have a good day.
1: Thank you all, guys. Good luck.
2: You betcha. Thank you very much. Dennis Smith, longtime voice of the Red Tornadoes. Take a break, come back, maybe hit a little college football before we wrap up this Garrison financial Friday. Are we going to Herb Street this deal? We can't make a pick because we're calling the game.
3: Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't.
2: I don't know is literally how I feel about it. I don't That's know. what I'm saying. <laughs> I, it's,
3: I think we got two good teams tonight. We'll be
2: back.
0: Hello, my name is Scott Garrison. You may remember me as Scott the Barber or just as Ron and Carla's son. I've been involved in our community since opening Scott's Barbershop on the southeast corner of 3rd and Main in 1998. Now I'm back in the same building as Garrison Financial. I started investing in my 20s. I invested through the dot-com crash and the Great Recession. I started caring for other people's money in 2018, and I truly enjoy sitting down with my clients, understanding their wants and needs as well as what keeps them up at night. Whether my friends just want me to invest a little of their savings or want me to work with their tax and legal professionals to strive towards optimal efficiency, we can do it all. I believe communication is key to helping my clients reach their goals. For if we are faithful over a few things, we shall be given more. Contact me at scott at soonerwealth.com. Security is offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer, member FINRA, and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Garrison Financial and Cambridge are not affiliated. This communication is strictly intended for individuals residing in the states of Colorado, Nevada, Oklahoma, and Texas. No offer may be made or accepted from any resident outside the specific state's referenced. Cambridge does not offer tax and legal advice.
3: The Skinny on
1: Sports. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on
3: here?
2: Welcome back. It's Garrison Financial Friday right here on the Skinny on Sports. Wrapping it up for the week. Update in the Ryder Cup. You've got uh, the U.S. leading in two matches, tied in one, and then they're going to lose the other. Although... That six-up lead is now down to four, as Shoffley and Morikawa have won a couple of holes in a row. But there's still a monumental task to come back from four down with six holes to play. But they're trying to scratch it out. The main match is Thomas and Spieth. JT and Jordan, one up with three to go. Tyrrell Hatton just about drove it onto a par four a second ago. But uh, that's that, that's a must full point for the U.S., if they want to figure out a way to get all the way back after losing four four to nothing this morning, so that's going to be a fun. It's always cool. It's way more fun if it's close instead of just a blowout. Yeah. So hopefully the U.S. can get back in there and and make a make a showing and and possibly even come all the way back, figure out a way to win this thing. Uh, so anyhow, uh, what are your thoughts tonight, Jared? Yeah, listening to Dennis talk, I think uh, both of these teams to me played. Re- extremely tough out uh, non-district games for a couple of them and I think that leads to more questions you know it just feels like they're both kind of searching or was it just the competition was so good uh, that maybe these teams are better than what you think and have it more figured out than what you think that's even a, though they played those really good teams
3: yeah that's a good point I mean, you got you know the losses both teams coming in at two and two but to two quality opponents and that you know in in You know, I've always said it, iron sharpens iron, and I praise the scheduling for both Oak City and Clinton uh, because it gives us games like this. It gives us an anticipation of a really good game because even in those losses, we saw some good things. Uh, You know, what it's going to come down to, I I, I keep saying it's the interior, who's going to be able to push who around and create gaps because they both love to run the football and who can have some success on the ground. And, you know, you said it, and I agree, Um, so I don't mean to steal your thunder. I'll give you credit, but, who can protect the football? Who can hold on to the football? Uh, Clinton's given the way. I don't. I haven't looked up their plus minus, but it seems like they're they're a little bit of a fumbleitis going on for the Red Tornadoes and a couple of their backs. If they can hold on to the football and consistently move the football, they would probably have success. Uh, so Elk City can create some turnovers. It that was a major factor in last year's game. Uh, was creating turnovers uh, on the way to the win. So um, I don't expect – I mean, it could be a fast game. I don't expect a lot of passing unless it's out of necessity. I expect uh, both – I think both coaches want to prove that they can run the football, and we're going to see a lot of that. It's going to be one of those old-school type – you know, you got Clinton with the eye formation, you got Oak City with the flex and everything that they do, maybe a little eye thrown in there as well. And, and that's what it's going to come down to is who can push each other up front who can maintain their blocks and and create opportunities? Yeah, it's just simple as that. I mean, that's football in a nutshell. And I'm I'm and who can do it best?
2: I I think it really is pretty simple. Who is going to be the more physical team? Who's going to tackle better? And who's going to hold on to the ball? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, th- I think this is like one of those games that goes back to the the literal fundamentals and beginning of football. Uh, with the styles that they both want to play, the styles that they want to if uh, just impose their will on the on any opponent this one included, you know and I, and I think you're right it ought to be a really fast game uh, as long as it doesn't turn into a track meet, uh, which probably doesn't favor uh, the brown and white in that regard in, in a lot of ways. But yeah, I think uh, you know it's just hitting tackling, blocking tackling and keeping the hold of the football. One thing that that could become a factor. When you look at the weather forecast, by the time the game starts, the, the winds may be 25 to 30.
3: I was thinking about that this morning. Field
2: position, kicking game, that's a huge issue. Yeah.
3: When I walked outside first thing this morning, I noticed that wind straight out of the south. And that was the first thing that hit my mind was you know, that could create a, a, well, kind of a wind tunnel. There's not much of a block on the south side of the Tornado Bowl other than the scoreboard, but – that's a thing. It's absolutely I mean, a thing.
2: Fifteen to twenty-five with thirty-five mile an hour gusts. But it's
3: only really going to affect the kicking game. The
2: kicking, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much. To, I don't think it really matters in the throwing game for either side. I don't think. But we'll it's see a lot of it. Thrown, I think it's but, more yeah. from a kicking game slash um, field position, yeah, point of view, uh, and, and almost honestly punning as much as as much as mm-hmm. like kicking off or, or field or whatever. I think it's more the punning. And being able to either change, field, uh, flip, field position downwind, or figure out a way to to create as many yards into that wind with a with a low punt or what have you. So I, that's some, that's another extra little thing to watch out for. I think tonight, um, real quick around the country, college football tomorrow, Oklahoma hosting Iowa State, like a twenty point favorite. I saw Brett McMurphy tweet out something yesterday. It's very interesting. Uh, when when you're thinking about the Western Oklahoma Realty College Pick'em, because that game is involved in this this week. So the last six years, the game before Texas, Oklahoma is three and three straight up and one and five against the spread. Hmm. You know, you always heard of the Oklahoma uh, the Texas hangover back in Barry's day, Barry Switzer's day, and whatever. I wonder if maybe they're in just a little bit of a a Texas look ahead more involved right now for OU. Than what it is even after the afterwards. I mean, how could
3: there not be? It's Texas. You got to look ahead to it. So, or it's hard not to. There, I think there's something there, and I think this opponent, though, is I don't know if they're going to be able to move the football against OU like they did against Oklahoma State in Norman. I, there might be more of a focus there. I don't know. Um, at at night too.
2: Yeah, that's the one Just, interesting. It part. really feels you don't like get many, You don't get many of those. It doesn't seem like right now.
3: At Night, yeah, no, and but they'll they're not. I, you know, uh, Trace Ford, you know, he's been on with uh, the Morning Animals on Thursdays, and was it Thursdays? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they asked him straight up, you, and he gave a more candid answer, like, Yeah, we're looking at we're, we know Texas is next week, you know, so it, that's the thing. And Texas was probably in the same boat, yeah, you know, they're not they're human, they're kids, and if there's a game that is more likely to lose that it could be Kansas going to Texas as as opposed to Iowa State going to OU. Yeah, just a better team. I just don't know about the cover, though. That's a big spread. Mm-hmm. You could see Iowa State maybe put one in late or something, but
2: I think OU would be fine. What about around the country? Good one tonight, man. Utah at Oregon State tonight.
3: Utah at Oregon State could be good uh, for Big 12 interest. you got Cincinnati at BYU. Um... Duke hosting Notre Dame, that's a good one in my mind. I mean, obviously game day's there. But can Notre Dame, you talk about hangovers, are they going to have mm-hmm. a Ohio State hangover? And, you know, Duke would love to say, hey, we're not just a one-trick pony by being Clemson. We, we can be Notre Dame too. And that place will be rocking. And then, of course, USC at Colorado. Can Colorado bounce back?
2: Do you see the- what Prime said? No. They were asking you about, you know, there's a pretty lengthy list of celebrities that's going to be there. And they were kind of running down a few of the names. And he goes, well, that ain't near all of it. Half the NBA is (laughs) going (laughs) to be here. That's pretty cool. I believe it. It's going to be a good time. Uh, Also, don't forget, softball this afternoon, the Elkettes, trying to punch their ticket into next week's Super Regional. They will play the winner of... Bridge Creek and McGinnis. That game is scheduled to start at 11. That Bridge Creek-McGinnis game will start at uh, – that one starts at 11. The other scheduled to start at 1 o'clock. So the Elkettes sometime around the 1 o'clock hour playing the winner of Bridge Creek and McGinnis. You would assume it would be Bridge Creek just because they beat McGinnis 23-6 to yesterday. But you never know. Still got to get there. But either way, the Elkettes will have a chance to punch their ticket into the Super Regionals today. 1 o'clock. Big Elk TV. You can check it out there. Also, of course, tonight – Big Elks and Clinton, six fifteen pregame for the seven o'clock kick. What I would assume, for me at least, the early lead in four a one at state at stake tonight.
3: Yeah, of course. Yeah, this is one of those major hurdles for either team, and then of course Weatherford game looms for both teams too. But this is one. Of, yeah, this one will be a big decider in who uh, hoists the district title. Uh, by the way. Kudos to the softball fans yesterday. Yeah, who showed up? They were loud and distracting my girls on the 8U side. <laughs> 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 no, they were great. I had the park on the over by the Arrowhead. the The parking lot was so full. I know it was, there's other games sure. happening, but it was uh, it was a pretty cool scene. I had some time between games to go and watch uh, the big or the Elkettes, uh defeat Br- Bridge Creek yesterday, and the crowd was great. Involved. They just weren't there just to be there. They were there. They were watching. They were arguing pitches and <laughs> applauding the good hits, and it was it was awesome. Awesome atmosphere. Keep you know, that going.
2: You know how I knew the Pauls Valley game was working pretty well for the Elks? How's that? Jeremy was actually applauding the the uh, umpires and their calls. <laughs> By the way, US up in three matches as it goes down the wire here at the end of session number two. They need them. They need all three of them to try to claw back in after losing all four this morning. Everybody have a wonderful Garrison Financial Friday. We'll be back Monday to talk about it all right here on the Skinny on Sports. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is
1: blister!
0: Hello, my name is Scott Garrison. You may remember me as Scott the Barber or just as Ron and Carla's son. I've been involved in our community since opening Scott's Barbershop on the southeast corner of 3rd and Main in 1998. Now I'm back in the same building as Garrison Financial. I started investing in my 20s. I invested through the dot-com crash and the Great Recession. I started caring for other people's money in 2018 and I truly enjoy sitting down with my clients, understanding their wants and needs as well as what keeps them up at night. Whether my friends just want me to invest a little of their savings or want me to work with their tax and legal professionals to strive towards optimal efficiency, we can do it all. I believe communication is key to helping my clients reach their goals. For if we are faithful over a few things, we shall be given more. Contact me at scott at soonerwealth.com. Security is offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Garrison Financial and Cambridge are not affiliated. This communication is strictly intended for individuals residing in the states of Colorado, Nevada, Oklahoma, and Texas. No offers may be made or accepted from any resident outside the specific states referenced. Cambridge does not offer tax and legal advice.